folks, Gavin Roth here with episode 21 of the Roth Revenue Podcast. This is the Influencers of Sponsorship Marketing, where I sit with sponsorship marketing leaders to find out their story, their mentors, their insights, and personal and professional development advice. This episode's featured guest is Jim Kozak, Vice President and Head of Mediacom Sport and Entertainment, the Sport and Entertainment Sponsorship Division of Mediacom. For the uninitiated, Mediacom is a global media agency that is part of WPP, the world's largest advertising company. Mediacom Sport and Entertainment helps clients identify, negotiate, and maximize sponsorships with the aid of data and insights. Jim is one of the most respected sponsorship marketers in Canada, having worked for CBC Olympics, Wasserman, Kraft, where he helped develop the legendary Kraft Hockeyville program, and now Mediacom Sport and Entertainment. He has also been a mainstay with the Sponsorship Marketing Council of Canada and helped create the George Brown 5 to Watch program. Highlights from our chat include building a relative startup within a global media giant, as he heads up the Mediacom SE division, how Mediacom is diversifying beyond media and into SE and content. Jim talks about Bell making the cut, the first sponsorship program he worked on, and how it created a passion for sponsorship. It also led Jim to meeting Kraft, who sponsored Bell making the cut. We then pivot to Jim's days at Kraft, where he played an instrumental role in the growth of the legendary and award-winning Kraft Hockeyville initiative. He shines a light on CBC's support of the Olympics and how CBC Sports Weekend morphed into RBC Training Ground. A cool story. Jim offers his take on trends in sponsorship marketing, including the emergence of esports. And of course, we cover his mentors, and Jim offers great personal and professional development advice. I hope you enjoy. And for more episodes of the Roth Revenue Podcast, follow me on LinkedIn, visit Spotify, SoundCloud, or check out RothRevenue.com. Okay, hey folks, uh, sitting today with uh, Jim Kozak, uh, who is a, a, a peer in the industry, but also a friend. Uh, we've gotten to know each other uh, through the business over the years and uh, is now uh, sitting on a really cool new gig as VP and head of, of uh, sports and entertainment at Mediacom. So, uh, Jim, thanks for uh, giving me some time. Hey, it's my pleasure, Gav. Uh, good to see you, and uh, you know, always nice to chit chat about the business. Absolutely. So, um, so many ways we can go. You know, I, I looked at your career path, refreshing and uh, really cool. You know, you, you you've got the brand side with Molson and Kraft. Then you've got agency side with with uh, Wasserman and and uh, and uh, and now obviously here at Mediacom. And then that that shared experience we had. Uh, you were CBC with the Olympics. I was with the consortium. We have that. So you've really you've touched you know all sides of the business. Uh, have you ever stepped back and thought about? you know, that how kind of cool that is or how well-rounded that is? Was that a conscious thing? <laughs> to be honest, no. Um, and yeah, I've had a few people kind of speak to me about um, that and how attractive, I guess, the skill set and sort of the 
well-rounded it is, but I actually didn't think about it yeah. that way. I, I mean, I just looked at it like, uh, you know, diving into the business back in the Molson days. At, I actually don't date myself here, but with Molstar yeah. yes. at the time. Uh, before it became Molson Sports Entertainment and then working with the brand there and then, um, you know, and then kind of getting pulled over to the client side for a, a good long time, almost eight, eight years at Kraft uh, Canada. And, and so learned a lot, obviously, getting, cutting the teeth on the agency side and, and working with brands. Um, you know, at Molson, and then obviously very much so from a brand perspective, corporate equity, etc. At Craft uh, Canada, and then yeah, making the switch over to um, to the sales side, yeah, of, the dark side. Yes, yes. The, actually, they did call yeah. it that, the yes. dark side. Um, and a friend of mine said that to me on the phone once. So. Um, but it was a great experience. I mean, and it really was going over and trying to use your marketing capabilities um, and what you were able to achieve working alongside brand teams um, and trying to bring those types of campaigns to life through, you know, amplification vehicles like such as, you know, digital and linear broadcast at CBC, except especially cool around the Olympics, mm-hmm. around FIFA um, in 2014 for both of those properties. And then obviously the Pan Am Games in 2015. That's right. Uh, before I left, just right around the Rio Olympics in 16. So mm-hmm. an incredible, incredible experience, mm-hmm. honestly. I'm very thankful for that. Uh, and then, yeah, and then coming back to the sports side with uh, obviously a year and a half at Wasserman and then this opportunity kind of presented itself here and you know, the opportunity to build something cool and new, nice. um, you know, within a shop that traditionally wouldn't have this type of capability. And I think that's kind of what's really neat and special about what we can bring to the marketplace in Canada is uh, having a core competency, not only in media buying planning, mm-hmm. but um, now, really around evaluation, measurement, uh, negotiation, strategy, and sponsorship marketing uh, throughout MediaCom, um, and not here just in Canada, but tapping into, you know, US and, and UK and global resources. Uh, so, for those the uninitiated, and I, I work media side, agency side. First, my first uh, gig in the business in the mid '90s was. Uh, was with Ogilvy and Mather, which then became Mindshare right. and part of the Group M family and yep. WPP, so part of Mediacom's uh, kind of a sister agency. So, And then when I sold media, I sold to agencies like Mediacom. I'll never forget uh, uh, 2010 Olympics selling to Procter & Gamble through Mediacom when they launched their Olympic campaign, the Thank You Mom. Uh, so... But I always knew it as a traditional media agency. And then I see the sports and entertainment division emerge. And um, and it seems to have a lot of traction. It's been around the UK. It's in the US. What, what led Mediacom into sports and entertainment? And kind of what what is, you mentioned some of the services, but talk maybe a little bit more about your mandate here in Canada. Yeah, again, I think what it comes down to is, is I think from a media agency, we wanted to be more than just obviously a traditional shop. And I think, you know, these are, you're always looking for new ways to grow and expand your business and look at other revenue streams um, to try and, you know, offer a better offering than your competitor. So I think, you know, the passion of my CEO here, Kevin Johnson, for growing not only this uh, department in terms of, of sport and entertainment here in Mediacom, there's a couple others as well, too, that you know, we're trying to grow uh, beyond our core capabilities. So I think that's the 
the, the, the vision, the passion that uh, our senior management team here has for it. And it's, and it's kind of what sold me on joining mm-hmm. the team. And, and again, just the ability to try and um, bring some new capabilities or new expertise to our clients. I mean, we have almost 50 clients in this, in this building alone. Yes. Uh, you know, forget about, um, you know, WaveMaker, Mindshare. At that time, you had those clients in uh, as part of Group M, and it's, yeah. and it's even bigger. Um, so are you able to tap into that client base, or, or do they have separate groups offering similar services? Discussions are underway. Because <laughs> um, so, you're, you're right, no, that's a great pool. Right? Yeah, yeah, and no, no new news on that front yet. Okay. I'll, I'll save that one for the next time all if right, there is. But, right. uh, but I, I would hope that, um, yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the natural opportunity there is to obviously leverage Group M's uh, broader network. Um, but obviously, I'll leave the uh, the CEOs to work through that sure. and whatnot. But I think absolutely there's the opportunity that exists, and um, you know would obviously make a lot of sense for our partners to tap into us from a leverage perspective and expertise perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, as we move forward. So, but sure. but we got to walk before we run, and, yeah. and obviously we want to build up our business here at MediaCom first and foremost. And we've been uh, very fortunate over the last five months uh, to literally almost triple our business. Here. Yeah. So, you, we were talking before we uh, set up this this uh, podcast that uh, some some early success. Are you able to share uh, a one or two uh, you know, wins? Or Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, we have, um, and, and I'll just kind of go back to our mandate. Everyone always asks me, like, well, what are you trying to achieve? And, yep. you know, for me, it comes down to um, this is about ensuring that our partners at the end of the day, when they invest, you know, strategically from a, you know, media value or even from a value perspective, obviously they want to drive brand impact through the partnership. And then obviously, um, if you can close the loop and drive sales is, is really the trifecta. So um, what we're trying to do is make sure that as we do all three of those, that the value that's driven back to the to the party is obviously paying back on the actual investment itself. And so, you know, we are very much about, listen, at the end of the day, you know this, it has to always be about a win-win uh-huh. um, on both sides. It uh-huh. can't be about, you know, a property, a team, or a league feeling like they were undercut. It uh-huh. can't feel like a... a you know, a partner is not getting the value um, based on the investment. Um, so what our job and our mandate is, is to make sure that um, making sure that the team of the league or, or whoever the, uh, you know, the you know, sponsorship party is feels like they're getting an appropriate investment for for that category or mm-hmm. for that brand uh, mm-hmm. in business. And for us, we want to make sure that they're delivering enough value back to the partner in that yeah. sense. So it won't be about going in and undercutting anybody. It's actually maybe yeah. going in about a value equation and making sure that it's appropriate. So that's well said. Yeah, you know, I think that if we can do that, um, I know hopefully the the properties and teams will respect us, and uh, and obviously our clients will be happy with us too. They, you you open up uh, uh, an interesting can of worms there. I, I have to have to delve into this uh, with you because. I've always had a healthy respect because I worked agency side for the roles that agencies play. You meet somebody who's been purely property side and you'll often find a little bit bit of disdain uh, because they'll think that the agency, to your point, is going to just there is there to undercut the value of their property. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked what you just said, right, that we're not there. Uh, but I'm sure you've seen that 
dynamic where, you know, it's like, oh, no, the agency's going to get a hold of our proposal and they're going to, like, take it down and cut it. And, and there is a fundamental disconnect when you're negotiating. One party wants to pay as little as possible. One side wants to maximize. So you're never going to agree to, to, to agree, right? Mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. Um, so here you are now part of um, an agency ecosystem. Talk a little bit about that dynamic of, you know, the not undercutting, right, the value and finding the, the, the win-win. Yeah, I, you know what? I think it comes down to, you know, sometimes the, the, the partners, and I fully understood this because, you know what, I, I um, you know, I can't talk out of both sides of my mouth. I mean, at one point I was at Craft Canada as a young marketing professional and, and I thought, hey, I, I know everything I need to know about, you know, dealing, doing deals with partners and in, in the space. And, you know, while I think we did okay, you know what, honestly, we don't know if we did okay or not because we didn't rely on any partners in the industry. So, um, you know, I try to keep that in my brain now because I understood I was there at one point. So if people are like that, and there are, we have partners that are using direct relationships right now with parties um, and we fully respect that. Um, I think our offering and our, um, you know, I guess, uh, advice to our partners on that front is, is, hey, you know what, we're here to help you at the mm-hmm. end of the day. We're not here to hurt the, the property. We're not here to, um, you know, cause any disruption in your relationship because we all know like this is the, come on, it's the sexy work, right? Like yeah. sponsorship and, and, you know, sports, yes. uh, entertainment, music, etc. Yeah. It, it's, it's sexy. And so a lot of people don't want to let go of that. But our job isn't, we want to take that away from them. We actually mm-hmm. want to work alongside them. And so that's what we're saying to our partners is, you know, whether that's where they're at your side whether we're behind the scenes arming you with the information to have that very good conversation around value um, or whether we are that voice for you at the table, we can play any one of those three roles. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. You, you actually work in that dynamic um, in different ways across, yeah. you know, the right now we're, we've taken our partners from four in, in September all the way up to now 12. So, Amazing. so yeah. And then we have different, different dynamics with each of those partners. Um, some are the same in terms of those three, as we just talked about, but mm-hmm. none of them are And those are identical. all brand uh, partners, brand clients? Yes. Cool. Yeah, cool. all brand clients within uh, the Mediacom uh, nice. family. Yeah. Who weren't probably privy to the different things that sports and entertainment, uh, the sports and entertainment team could do. Absolutely. And, and I think a lot of that comes down to us growing our capabilities in a, gro- a global level in terms of some of the proprietary tools that we yeah. have now. And and really, it's no different. I mean, we know our competition out there has yeah. the same thing. And yeah. so, um, but the one thing that is of difference for us that... Yeah, I wanted to ask that. Yeah, yeah. Is, is the point of difference, I think, that we have. Um, not that others can't get it, but I think it's more difficult or, or not as natural a fit for them to get it is... We'll use our Group M rates. Yeah. So when we're valuing a property or an opportunity, a sponsorship, a valuation, yeah. we'll use Group M rates, and that's the benefit for our family of clients. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, some of our competition will literally they use, don't have that buying power. No, right? they don't have the buying power. They don't have and to get the rates, and then they also just maybe use rate card mm-hmm. or a percentage off a of rate card. Yeah. And yeah. You and I both know nobody yeah. pays rate cards, no, so no. that usually leads to a. A little bit of a better valuation um, mm-hmm. in terms of, of maybe higher on the on the asset side yeah. than what we would see, but 
again, at the end of the day, we will likely see investments go up from our partners with these teams and associations, but we'll also see the value delivered back go up. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I hold also. on a on a on a probably a higher scale, yeah. uh, ratio wise. Good. So. Good. Um, I want to talk about your role at Kraft, given you know some of the iconic programs that you you had a hand in back then. We'll get to that in a sec, but just um, in terms of um, what led you into the field of sponsorship marketing, um, was it uh, just circumstance? Was it did you fall? It seemed to me as Molson Sports and Entertainment, yes, and then Kraft. You kind of had this this uh, consumer promotions hat, mm-hmm. but you gravitated, it felt like, towards uh, sports and entertainment properties there. How, how did everything come into play? Um, it's a great it's a great question, uh, and, I'll, and I'll try and keep it short, but yeah. I think the idea was, you know, I grew up playing competitive sports, hockey specifically, always loved sports, you know, watching, participating. And so when it came time to making a decision about post-secondary, after university, I got my degree at Western York and played hockey there because I thought I wanted to become a player agent and therefore mm. get into Osgood and mm. take the law route. Um, you know, I thought, well, maybe I don't want to be a lawyer. My dad would hate saying that because he's a lawyer. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, it came down to I actually wanted to be on the business side of sports. And I discovered that in my fourth year of university. And so I decided either do I do my MBA or do I do this George Brown Sport and Marketing Program, which everybody was kind of whispering in my ear. Yeah. And, and, you know, I ended, ended up doing that. And then, you know, literally, it's that stupid cliche of, you know, um, a recruiter called me up out of the blue and had an opportunity at Molestar at the time, working for my first boss in the industry, Perry Lowell. Mm. Um, and um, I remember Perry telling me, the recruiter's like, yeah, I got a job that's like, you know, pay you $40,000 a year and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Next thing you know, Perry's like, "Yeah, I can pay you five hundred bucks on contract a week." Um, <laughs> and you know what? And I and I knew at the time that um, you know it was uh, you know a, a great opportunity, and I'm forever grateful to Perry for letting me you know come and work for him. Uh, we eventually, after uh, a certain amount of time, I kind of like, "Okay, Perry, I need to either you know go full time here yeah. or not." So. It is that story of just getting your foot in the door and mm. then learning from the people ahead of you. And, and, uh, and as long as you're open to that, um, you know, I had I actually did a, a program called uh, Bell Making the Cut way back mm, when. And that's what kind of gave my passion and appetite for actually developing unique platforms um, where brands can invest, you know, um, and, and try and use them to uh, drive their business. So, mm-hmm. so Bell Making the Cut was that one. And that's how I met Kraft. Craft sponsored that program and then wow. made the jump over to Craft and and um, you know the first thing I did there was work with my my boss Jack Hewitt and a couple other individuals with a, again eventually a bigger broader team but essentially we built Craft Hockeyville and that's that was one of the first things I did. Mm. But to your point, the toughest part was for that first year, I had to work on more brand promotions. I didn't get a t- chance to actually touch the thing that I helped build yeah. until the second year of it, which wow. then I was very re- grateful for and worked on it until about year eight. And here we are, what, 15, 16 yeah, it's years? In the, it's it's uh, hanging in the rafters at the Sponsorship Marketing uh, Awards, right? So, it's, yeah, it's, very privileged on that front. And yeah. a lot of great people across different organizations uh, yeah. help build it. So. Well, I often kid around how, you know, you you. you hear about those iconic uh, promotions and campaigns and and you'll find uh, as the years grow more and more people who stake claim to 
coming up with it, right? Yeah, um, yeah I am Canadian and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But uh, you know, the Tackle Hunger program and mm-hmm. Pure Later, and uh, but this one, you know, I, I think of you and Jack, right? Uh, with 100%. with with, uh, with Hockeyville, and it's uh, it's it's its legacy is amazing. It's held up as a gold standard, so it's something you must be incredibly proud of. Yeah, I, I am. It's a it's almost at times a bit of a. Uh, <laughs> thing you don't want to talk about yeah because you it's kind of yeah. like that uh thing that you get known for but um you're so, right so typecast yeah exactly yeah, yeah the so, actor but yeah. uh but yeah we a couple other things again that like you know um, those first two programs were fun and then it dovetailed into another one at craft with uh with tsn and, yeah you know great partners um helping bring what we called craft celebration tour uh, to life and their 25th anniversary and and again, to this day, it's it's morphed a little bit, become mm-hmm. Project Play, and and the team over there is still doing a great job with it. So yeah, and that's where, to those who don't know, we're building building sport facilities and community centers and rinks and fields in communities, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think at the end of the day, it made a lot of sense for the business. Listen, if you can get your customers buying into an initiative that helps their community. Yeah. It really made a lot of sense uh, for them to help support you as an organization. Well, we're in an interesting time right now where social uh, marketing and cause-related marketing is, is all the rage. And everybody's trying to align with something, right, and um, stand for something. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you you were part of that wave a long time ago before it was like everybody was doing it because you know just giving back to communities and helping you know build better communities mm-hmm. right is a mm-hmm. great social socially responsible marketing initiative from 100%. a brand that that uh, got it with craft so uh, and now as you as you see right everybody's hopping on that train some successfully some not so successfully. I'm thinking of Nike. I think of Gillette recently, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. There's been, you know, there's, it's nice to see because everybody goes, well, you know, well, that's a community program. Well, the reality is, is, you know, we need a ton of help in communities across Canada. So I, I kind of look at the space as it doesn't matter if there's one big initiative, take, take the, you know, build three, five, ten more yeah. and help communities across Canada. If, if it fits your business, if you yeah. have brick and mortar or you have customers that have brick and mortar, Man, you have such a great opportunity to actually do it if you can tie it into, you know, something that's passionate um, at the community level or for Canadians. But how did um, how did those programs tie back to crafts business objectives? <laughs> um, you know what? It's funny. The last thing I did when I left craft was be able to tell my uh, CEO at the time or my president um you know, how much volume it actually did drive yeah. for the organization. So we talked about that kind of triple cycle of, you know, what are we getting out of the partnerships? Um, what do they allow us to do? What's it, how is it impacting the equity of the corporate craft brand at the time? Yes. And then obviously driving sales. Um, and so we knew the first two pieces of that very well. Yes. And we were, you know, very influential in terms of reinforcing and having craft be a trusted brand. Um and then when we finally were able to solve that, not working with sales closely internally on a, you can imagine the size of the sales force in Canada. Sure. Um, we were able to deliver back literally a return in terms of how many X millions of, of uh, volume we were actually pushing out through each of those two programs and equally were impressive. So That's great. So yeah, I think um, not surprising that they're still around because I think they're doing, they're driving those three components again in terms of 
of value, uh, brand impact, and then obviously yeah, sales back right. to the company. Yeah, you, you, if it was just the first two, somebody would have woken up and said, this is a nice to have, but not a must have without the third piece. Absolutely. Right. Uh, well, especially with the new owner as, you know, who's at the helm now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, mentors, you mentioned a couple of, uh, names there. Um, you know, who do you credit as helping, um, build you up? It's a great question. Um, I'm very thankful for a few different people who have given me opportunities to uh, utilize that skill set. You know, I think uh, Perry Lewell and, and Al Dark have been influential individuals that allowed me to come in and kind of flex my skill set um, uh, under their guidance. But I, Al I, would have been at at CBC. Yeah, Al, yeah. yeah, Al was my boss at CBC yeah. before. Obviously, yeah, um, you know, a, a different change of moving to Rogers yeah. and. Um, so again, very thankful to both of those individuals. I would say, um, on a different perspective, I'm always very much appreciative of my my time at Kraft because um, Jack Hewitt was obviously a very good mentor um, as how you should grow as a leader. Um, and it's not just Jack, but the organization uh-huh. really invested. Like I went through a year long what they called lead training program where 10 of us in Canada got a chance wow. to go through this and, and um, very, very fortunate, thankful because it taught me that it, there is no I, it's all we, it's, yeah. um, you know, you're as strong as your uh, team around you and yeah. you need to empower them. So I think yeah. it really gave me the foundation of how to build good teams. I think at least, you know, I hope, um, yeah. and well, especially a guy who gets and loves sports as a passion, you could draw those parallels easily. Right. As well. Totally. So I'd say, you know, Kraft and Jack were, were very, you know, and, and really the other executives there that helped me along the way. Um, and then I think even just, you know, um, from a, from an industry perspective, um, listen, you know, you go through ups and downs and challenges in your career and, uh-uh. And as you go through those, um, you very much tap in and understand and learn who the real great people of this industry mm-hmm. are. And, yeah. you know, um, you know, when you're sometimes, you know, uh, voluntarily out looking for the next opportunity or otherwise, you connect with a lot of good uh, people. And, you know, honestly, this isn't uh, anything but the truth, like people yeah. like yourself and and another great individual who's been a bit of a mentor for me in the industry over the years is Dan McKenzie. Yeah. Um, you know, super salt of the earth, super yeah. uh, intelligent business leader, mm-hmm. um, you know, at the NBA here in Canada and uh, owe a lot to Dan because he's been a great year. Uh, you know, he's helped me in terms of, of even just helping me self-actualize, understand certain things yeah. versus telling me what I should do or, or otherwise. So I yeah. think if there, I just sort of say... Good one, distinction. Yeah, one of the things that I've learned in my career at this old age um, <laughs> is, is that, you know, invest the time in those who want to invest with you. Yeah. And focus your efforts there. And it's not about, you know, it's not about making sure you do business with your friends. I mean, because I've always told my friends that any business we end up doing has to deliver for both Absolutely. sides. But it's if you can do that, if you can yeah. actually deliver business and work with yeah, people, people you respect, you respect and, and yeah. like, um, and and want to spend bonus. time with, man, like what's better than that? That's that's really well said, and thank you. Um, let's pivot to sponsorship programs. Say you well, we touched on a couple. I don't know what's uh, you know I've asked you to think ahead of, uh, about this, mm-hmm. but something you've been involved in that you're particularly proud of, and and why. 
Um, I would say for me, I, I, I wanted to try and kind of pick one I've been involved with and then maybe one I wasn't involved yeah, with. Yeah, and that's um, the second part, yes. Yeah, is, is like, so the one, the one you know, as much as, you know, the other three that I've kind of mentioned uh, have been very proud to be involved and help lead and build. I'm glad you're not going to mention those. Yes. 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 Um, it, it's actually the most recent one that I kind of did when I left CBC. It was, um, you know, CBC Sports was facing a new challenge. Um, we needed to revamp the sports strategy. And, and so working with a lot of the leadership, at not only in, in the sports team there, but in, at CBC, um, you know, myself and Mike Armstrong, uh, who's currently at Google, mm. uh, very, very bright mind. Yes, heard, um, heard, of, heard, of, heard of that company. Yes, yes, I, yes. yes, yes. Startup, exactly. yes. Exactly. Um, anyhow, long story short, we... We're faced with the challenge of trying to ensure that the CBC Sports brand continued to bring great programming to life uh, for Canadians like it always has since I was a kid. Um, so we needed to rethink things. And so at the end of the day, we literally um, flipped the model on its head where instead of buying assets, uh, producing them, and then going to try and sell them in the marketplace, we thought about well, if we're going to be home of the Olympics for the next 20, you know, somewhere until 2024, I think it is, um, then how do we talk to our like-minded partners out there? So we literally developed a strategy that, um, you know, took CBC Sports Weekend to make it become uh, Road to the Olympic Games mm. and then uh, built a program called Training Ground. Mm. Um, and you know what? We started talking to a bunch of different partners about it and um and you know and obviously the 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 great minds over at rbc who have done a really nice job of the over the years of of, you know um amplifying and bringing their brand to life around the olympic rings um you know saw some merit in the program and and obviously grabbed onto it and So um, it's been really, really neat to see them and, and the, the, the teams develop that and evolve the program over the last three years. And Perfect um, brand to yeah. take that and run with it, right? 100%. And I think it gave them a lot of great foundation to evolve their Olympic programming around. So, you know, for me, it was just a matter of, again, once again, trying to solve a strategy problem mm-hmm. with bringing the right type of you know, marketing or sponsorship marketing assets to the marketplace and uh, and try and fulfill and help other businesses tell their story Perfect. along aligning with what your your organization was doing. So um, so that's something I'm extremely proud of. Uh, Matt McGlynn, uh, who is going to be featured in an episode I recently cut, uh, guess what program he talked about when I asked him? Oh. Training ground. So, oh, well, so you guys nice. must have gotten in sync somehow. You're not going to tell me, but uh, that's great. Uh, they're very proud of it, and uh, so uh, kudos. Uh, that's a, a, a terrific example. Uh, appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate yeah. it. And then, so um, programs that um, that you've admired. You know, I, I guess some programs that I've admired. Um, I would have to say something like. A bell, let's talk. Yeah. Or, you know what, um, really came out of a a passion point within the organization and then have they've just completely blown it out of the water. Yeah. Um, You know, and and now some people always argue with me that, well, they're a media, you know, shop and basically they can amplify the heck out of everything. Well, it's like, well, good on them. Yes. Yes and yes. Yeah. So (laughs) good on them. They use the power of their network and their capabilities to bring, you know, some important message to, I think, the forefront of conversation today. So, 
you know, I've known people that have obviously struggled with that very yeah. close to me and, yes, uh, and depression. And, and so, um, you know, kudos to Bell and, and the team and, you know, Loring and Wade and yes. everyone over there for um, bringing that to life. And then, and then the other one I really like, uh, and it's funny, there must be a telco thing going on yeah. here, um, is what TELUS has done. Yeah. Um, you know, around their uh, bullying and yes. cyberbullying. Yes, yes, um, Did a nice job. With, That's a fairly new initiative, right? Yeah. Uh, you're right. Yeah, they had, I think I think they've used, again, tapping into our world, they used, I think, Jordan Eberly, I think, as one oh. of their spokespeople. And then I, um, I believe there's a new one coming out, and I'm not sure, uh, for the life of me, I'm going yeah. blank on who it is. but An athlete. Yes, an story. athlete. And I don't know if they've revealed them or not yet. Okay, but, um, That's exciting. But yeah, I mean, for me, I just like the fact that they're, you know, it's a it's an issue with the phones getting into the kids' hands oh. earlier these days, and and really smart on them from, you know, uh, a great causal piece to kind of go after. Yeah, that's um, very much uh, tied to their business, right? Absolutely. Uh, so I think those are two good examples of, um, and I think they're just getting started. To be yeah, honest, oh yeah. I mean, Bell had a little bit of longer runway now with yes. Let's Talk, and they again continue to grow it. But I think Telus and and yeah. their team um, are doing an amazing job. Super examples. You know, I was talking about, obviously, two days. Uh, here we said February 1st, and we'll find a good day to release this. I like to find a contextually relevant window based on the topic we talked about. We talk about, But two days ago was uh, Bell Let's Talk Day, mm-hmm. and uh, January 30th. And, um, and like you, it's very close to my heart because uh, my family has been hit very hard with mental illness. And so I'm super proud of what Bell's doing. And um, you know, I had a discussion with a, somebody who was debating, uh, offered a different perspective, saying um, if they really cared, they wouldn't put their name all over it. And I said, no, no, no. You know, I said, all that matters to me is that the, the, the conversation is out there, um, the money is raised, it's going to the right places. And I have zero problem with a brand putting their name on it because brands a few years ago have started figuring out that doing good is mm-hmm. good for business. Absolutely. And uh, so pick your cause as long as it's done authentically mm-hmm. and well, and they have done a bang up job. So I, I said, um, you know, that that that's fine by me. Now, what you'll what what uh, we were close to the industry, it's it, you'll find other brands trying to get into that cause or social space and it's not as authentic and not as when you question their motives and i don't do that at all with the examples you've used but uh, there will be some that brands have to be careful right um, about what they wade into absolutely and and if you're not you actually you hit it on the head it's if it's not authentic and not yeah. organic yeah you know, people are especially, especially millennials, especially Gen yeah. Z coming up. They'll call you out, They'll man. call you out and they will roast you for yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, it's, yeah, you just need to be um, living up to what you're promising to do uh, yeah. for for Canadians and the communities around us. And, and I think for the most part, and if you engage in the right way and yeah. in the in their language, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. then obviously you have success on your side. Yeah, I think. cool, cool. Um uh, personal habits, uh, or sorry, before we get to that, um, you'd be in a good position to just uh, trends that you've noticed in the in the sponsorship hmm. marketing space. Um, anything that stands out to you and how brands and properties are connecting or what they're trying to do to bring their campaigns to life? Yeah, I, I would say, um, and it's funny, I remember hearing Matt Logue talk about what does he want to see more out of in 2019 mm. uh, at the time, and, and obviously the news on him, yeah. uh, surprising these days, but 
Um, I think what I really agreed with Matt on was is I, I want to continue to see more and more brands actually starting to do measurement and and actually understanding and research on how you know brand these these sponsorship packages and these sponsorship partnerships are actually um, driving people's businesses. So um, so great. I'd love to see 2019 do that. I'm starting to see more of that in this building, mm-hmm. um, which is fantastic. Um, but I'll tell you, man, the thing that the hot topic right now is mm-hmm. esports. No kidding, eh? Um, and it's something that we are taking great amount of pride and, and effort in here um, to continually learn, literally twenty four seven, because you do. It's something. Yeah, your clients out. are all, I'm sure, asking, <coughs> "What's your POV on it? Should we get in?" Hundred percent, and we've yeah. already presented that POV yeah. to some. So, um, and again, have the good fortune of of chatting with uh, on a panel coming up this. Uh, at the end of the month, um, with the sponsorship marketing council of Canada around esports mm-hmm. and, and how, from our perspective, um, you know how we can help you know in this space. So, but absolutely, and but man, it's a fragmented space. It's uh, you have to understand it first, mm-hmm. and then how you engage in it is so critical. Back um, to that point about the audience there is young, a lot of millennials, and get in the right way or, or don't <laughs> and that's that's probably the most important watch out mm-hmm. is you better engage in a way that is in their tone and manner and yeah. their language and yeah. be provides benefit to their yeah. community and if you don't they will rattle your brand pretty quick. Yeah, say um, stoked a lot. That's important. Yeah, yeah, stoked. Just I, come I, to me if if any of fantastic. the brands need insight into how to speak Millennial, um, perfect. One stop like shop. Shoes or kicks, right? <laughs> um, totally. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, listen. Like the the money that's being invested in esports right now. You know, and even just the people that are yes. backing it. Yes. Um, yes. High yeah. profile sports uh, venture capitalists. Yeah. Um, you know, look at the power of, of what the Toronto Defiant are yeah. are probably going to become with leadership like Chris Overholt yeah. making his move from. You know, leading the Canadian Olympic Committee, yeah. now leading Overactive Media, yeah. which you know the Defiant are, are a piece of, and yes. and it's a global business. They've done a ton of other things, acquiring properties overseas. So yes. it's it's uh, pretty exciting times, I would imagine, for for some of those uh, those properties. But again, I think it's it's going to be pick. Do your homework, yes, and pick your uh, your space wisely. Sound advice, and um, and then obviously, um, you know, I think who's been doing a nice job of that actually is uh, is Labatt. Over time, they've been in esports now. I listened to Todd mm-hmm. Allen uh, um, mm-hmm. and the head of their marketing and. Um, you know, they've been dabbling in it for five, six years now. So they've been learning over time. So I think think you're going to see that accelerate for other people. And and they've done it um, smartly in that sense. Early adopter there. Yeah, for sure. Great example. Great, great uh, piece of of insight. Um, Let's wrap on uh, some habits and advice. I just always like to pick people's brains on professional and personal development habits, things that they use to you know, grow, make them better and, and inspire them, motivate them? Um, you know, for me, honestly, it's sad, but I don't get enough exercise because I find exercise is a time of reflection, you know, yeah. and I can work out. It literally, th- it gives me time to think about what's next to do in the day. How, uh, how am I engaging with my team? How can I empower them even more? Um, and so, you know, I think I'd always encourage everybody to, to, to invest in their health. Um, yeah. But I think that, you know, for me, from a, a management perspective, listen, I'm, whether it's right or wrong, my mm-hmm. style is all about 
um, empowering my team as much as I as I can. And and uh, again, in that leadership training that I did at Craft, you always learn about being too close as a micromanager or being too far and letting someone wander off the path. I think the the key is actually being able to be right in that middle zone mm-hmm. of you know, helping course correct when needed, but otherwise staying out of people's way and, and letting them feel like they own things. Yeah, so, absolutely. you know, I think that's the best leadership style is to, you know, um, know when you need to actually insert yourself and when to get yes. out of the situation and let other people lead. So, yeah. um, and then yeah. communication is the other piece. Like, I always over communicate mm-hmm. more than under communicate and sometimes to my detriment. Yeah. Yeah. But I think we share that philosophy. But that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Good. Good. Um, advice for those listening who might want to break in. I've been getting a lot of great feedback of people who are listening who are, you know, kind of studying to get into the space as well as those who are in the space. Um, what career advice would you give? I'm sure you've been asked that question many times. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. I think, um, listen, this business is about, at the end of the day, it's about networking and building relationships and trust and building your own personal brand. And so I think that takes time Mm -hmm. and and effort. And so what I would say is anyone trying to break in the industry, it's, you know, make sure you do your homework on, you know, uh, the landscape. It's big, it's vast um, across all the different sports and or entertainment. Pick a pick a sort of area of focus and then do your homework on getting out there and having conversations with people and, and meeting up with them. I mean, I used to almost get you know kid every now and then about how many um you know coffees or teas i would do with people and in the way that i always looked at it was um you know and i hope people look at it that way is i was that person at one time absolutely and you know i um you know had a couple really cool moments when i went and had those informational you know opportunities and your eyes were big you were a little nervous and now 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 you're sitting across from people and you know how they feel yeah even one time i got i got slapped around a little bit in terms of being not prepared but um yeah but it was a great learning process literally and and actually and i thanked that person recently yes you know he'd laugh (laughs) listening to this he'd know who he is but um you know he helped me out and i can tell you i never approached another information all the same way and I was well prepared. So I think Good that's advice. the that's the thing to do is like come knowing that um you know you're going to get some good people and you're going to get some people who who are busy. Yeah. And you know, you just have to be persistent but in a good way. In a good way. In a good way. And and you said a great word there, pre- prepare. Right? For anything. I mean, uh, I talk about that in the sales training and coaching I do. You're going to reach out to a company, prepare, take, take five minutes, take half an hour, take, mm-hmm. take an hour, whatever, just, just, you know, be prepared. Don't go on autopilot. You're going to go network with somebody, um, read up about them, you know, uh, know your audience, you know, your audience. 100%. So, great advice. Totally. Hey Jim, thanks for doing this. Hey, my pleasure. Appreciate right. it. Good stuff.